When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. Hi, I'm Danielle Fischel from Pod Meets World. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, Small Business Success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. I have a question for you both. So with our schedule and everything we're doing and conventions and some other fun stuff. We're going to be traveling an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Very excited. How do you guys pack? Are you willy-nilly throw it in the bag packers? Are you lay everything out packers? Is the toilet kit as important as everything else? Walk me through it. Do you think I seem like a willy-nilly anything yeah, person? I'm wait- I know. I was waiting for you to be like, you know what's funny? Hold on. I, I can predict. I, I can predict. I can predict. Let's see. Danielle uses uh, like actual bags within the bag, like those little uh, divider bags, whatever they're called. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, you don't? I don't. I don't. Amazing. No. no. I thought maybe she vacuum sealed it. Yeah, I thought she maybe vacuum wrapped it. That's too much work. <laughs> too much time. I don't have that kind of time. Right, so how far how far in advance would you say you packed, Danielle, for a trip? I pack, You're leaving- I pack usually the night before. Okay. But I will start thinking about the outfits I want to bring. Like in this case, when you're talking about packing for a con, I know I need three distinct outfits because we're going to be photographed every day. That doesn't mean I can't rewear a pair of pants if I wanted to. Like if I'm going to like this weekend, I'm bringing a pair of black jeans and I'm bringing my Harley shirt. That's the only outfit I know for sure is that I'm bringing my Harley shirt and nice. a pair of black jeans. And then I usually try to bring two pairs of shoes, one I wear and one that goes in my suitcase. And that always goes on the bottom. 
And then I cover the shoes with some sort of bag or like put the shoes in a bag if I can, like so that the shoes aren't touching my clothes. And then I only I only will bring with me a um, carry on size because if I'm only going for a weekend, I do not want to wait for a checked bag. So I have all my toiletries in small carry on sizes. And um, I also like get my hair done before I go and then try not to have to do anything special to my hair while I'm there. Just my hair is what my hair is. Uh, and yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it. I I do try to bring two pairs of shoes. So luckily I've got small feet, so they fit nicely in my carry on size bag and I don't need to worry about too much, but what about now? Let me throw a wrinkle at you. What about, because we go to hotels and stuff like that, do you throw in workout clothes in case you want to hit the gym or no? Well, I have not worked out (laughs) in four years. (laughs) I do not know why I would choose to start. She has, a, has a babies. That is a workout. Every day Fair is enough. a goddamn okay. workout. No. No. I mean, no. I would never. That sounds like the opposite okay. of fun yeah. for me. I've, done, I've been very optimistic in the past and packed like a pair of running shoes and sweatpants and then they just Always sit in my bag. I'm like, why did yeah. I do this? Oh. Uh, the only uh, thing I would do is bring bathing suit because then you could swim and you don't have to pack as much. Uh, you know? are, right. you ch- are you a chuck it in the bag kind of like, oh, that's right, I'm leaving this morning. Or do you plan Yes, I pack very quickly. Uh, but that's actually a conscious thing. Not because I, it's because if I think too much about it, I overpack. And yeah. I've realized I have never, ever felt underpacked. I have always felt overpacked. So in other words, if I force myself to only bring two shirts and a pair of pants, I'm fine. Like once yeah. I'm there and like even in the worst case scenario where like I've been at Sundance and wasn't warm enough, you can buy a sweatshirt, right. you know, yeah, you like for 20 yeah. bucks or whatever, if you really need it, like you can figure out your situation. And like, especially now in the age of phones, like you don't have... The thing I do pack too much of is books. I always pack four or five books, and I never Sir, end up you're reading. Only allowed all of them. one carry on. Yeah, it's ridiculous. writers are the whole other thing of book. <laughs> but like, yeah, when it comes to clothing, I try and do it within five to ten minutes as quickly as possible, wow. and 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 just as bare bones because every time I've brought too many clothes, I end up having like less fun because I'm paralyzed by choosing what to wear or what you know. Whereas, and then you're dealing with it all the time. Whereas, like, if you just Force yourself to pack very light. You're fine. You always end up okay. So that's my philosophy. What about you, Will? I'm right in the middle of both of you. Mm. I will, I, you know, have one specific bag I pack. I kind of know what I'm doing now. I've kind of got it down to a science. But Sue got me a new dop kit for Christmas, and it's Mm. awesome. So that's, That's I'm almost having, I'm one of those people where I almost spend more time packing my carry-on for the stuff that I want to bring with me that's more fun then clothes where I'm like, I always kind of wear the same pair of jeans and, you know, throw on a shirt, have a sweater. I do go to the gym when I'm at the I try to go every day when I'm at the hotel. So I have to bring one or two different sets of workout clothes and then workout shoes. But yeah, other than that, I'm kind of in the middle of both of you. So I was, just, I was curious. Hmm. Interesting. I'm looking forward to the gym. Yeah, wow. you're good at that. You like to run. You run outside my house every day. I you're do. you're and stop really and good just at yell. that. No. Yeah. I just <laughs> usually you, you used to see Adler out there before Adler was in school. Yeah, he was so, always out there raking or shoveling or we like doing to keep some him sort of manual labor, labor, literally. Well, some, yeah. And he'd wave. He'd wave like like you were running by the guy who's just, you know, he's raking you and he'd just go, hey, like, hey, how you doing? Like middle of the work day. You caught me, buddy. Um, he loves it's really it. cute. Yesterday uh, we were in the car and I was listening to a recap episode that I'm editing and he goes, mommy, that's you. And I said, yeah, that's that's me. And he goes, this is your work. And I said, yeah, this is this is one of this is one of my jobs. And he goes, 
and your friends? And I said, yes, Ryder and Will. And he goes, wow. And then he was really happy about that. And then at night, last night before bed, he wanted me to read him like a third book. And I said, well, which book do you want me to read you? And he said, Frog and Toad. And I said, oh, Frog and Toad. I said, as a matter of fact, Adler, you just today were talking about writer. Writer Alex and Indy gave you this book. And he went, Indy? Like so excited. And I was like, yes, Indy. So anyway, you guys, you guys have been, um, Adler's starting to understand our work. It's very cute. (laughs) Well, welcome to Pod Meets World. I'm Danielle Fischel. I'm Ryder Strong. And I'm Will Friedel. So throughout our time on Boy Meets World, we had the honor of working with writers, directors, and producers who single-handedly changed family television. Creatives whose body of work is expansive and legendary. And this week, we are talking to one of those types. David Kendall was the executive producer and showrunner of Boy Meets World for seasons two and three and would go on to direct 13 episodes right up until the end. He wrote one episode, Back to School, which is a script we will definitely want to talk to him about. And before joining us, he was an EP on a little show called Growing Pains, Hmm. which he wrote 33 episodes of. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Since then, he has directed episodes of iCarly, Victorious, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, Even Stevens, Hannah Montana, and he co-created Melissa and Joey, a show that ran for over 100 episodes on ABC Family slash Freeform. He's directed two pilots on Disney Channel, both shows I had the honor of directing myself, Coop and Cammie Ask the World and Sydney to the Max. We genuinely had to ignore a ton of his credits for this intro or we would be here all day. He's worked directly with all the actors now running Hollywood from Austin Butler to Ariana to Miley to the Joe Bros to Zendaya and over 40 different series, 600 episodes of TV and 200 plus as a director. Ah, If only he was given a chance, you know, (laughs) such a shame. Please welcome to Pod Meets World, the impressive David Kendall. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <gasps> we, can hear hear we can hear you, but we can't hear. see you. Oh my you. goodness. Okay. You want to see me too? I do. I yes. want to see your face. Hear okay. I hear him. Yay! Hey. David. Hey. Hey. David. Hey. How you oh, doing? Oh, good. I wish I could hug you guys. This is really. I know. <laughs> Virtual Zoom hug. Virtual hug. Can we Virtual. send us a, a, a hug emoji, Tom? Oh. Yeah. I'll put a, I'll yeah. put a hug in the chat. There you nice. go. Put a hug in. The, put a link to a hug yeah, in the chat. I will put a link to hug. Yes. Uh, first so question: disturbing. You famously ruined Boy Meets World. Talk about that. Uh, yes. Well, I, I'd like to call it drop shock. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Actually, we should really start with that since you wrote the episode. That is the only episode that I wrote. That I is know. that true? It's the only mm-hmm. episode that has my name on it. Right. Wow. You know, when you're running a show, it's it's I think, you know, you should let the staff write the episodes, I think. Right. So that was my philosophy. So, um, yeah, but you you came in as an EP right away. I came in. um, uh, If you remember, there was a first season Mm -hmm. and uh, probably something that you guys didn't know is that the second and subsequent subsequent seasons weren't exactly a lock. You know, they the network wanted to make sure that the um, the show had a longer life and the mm-hmm. kind of uh, um, kiddiness, I, for want of a better term, I'll, I'll find right. a better term when we really do this. This is the practice recording. <laughs> uh, um, uh, they didn't think that could sustain. And right. um, 
I was on a show for six years called Growing Pains. Yes. And uh, which a was little another- called Growing a small Pains. little show called Growing the Pains. The only, only the entire reason Boy Meets World existed yeah. was yeah. because of the success of Growing that, Pains. That is, well, I don't know if yes. it's entirely, but, but, um, yes. but Michael told me, Michael Jacobs told me at one point, because he has many different versions of stories, was that yeah. he had pitched uh, um, Boy Meets World as Growing Pains from the point of view of the youngest kid. That's yeah. what we heard too. That's yeah. what we heard too. So yeah. uh, when uh, Michael started uh, creating some other shows, they needed a showrunner for the second season. I had Growing Pains as my credentials, and the network liked me. And they wanted to age up was the was the mantra. And it was no yeah. by no means uh, uh, secure the future of Boy Meets World. In fact, I was in a meeting with the network and the studio. They hated the title. Everybody hated the title. We all hated the title. Wow. And it's like, what can we call the show that's not Boy Meets World? Because it just sounds, you know, it's hard to imagine like now that it, it it's iconic now. Yeah. But right. then it was just kind of this awkward phrase. And it's like, that's okay. Funny. I remember hating it too when I yeah, first heard I, it. I, wait a second. Wait a second. They wanted to change the title after season one. I know. Yes, that's what I was going to yes. say. They were willing to oh change it in God. season yes. two. Yes. They, they talked about it. They Networked talked about it. Exactly. They talked that's about network it. logic. Wow. I love it. So, well, I guess it's uh, like it's going from Torkelson's to Almost Home. It's kind of just rebranding. Right. We could the show. just rebrand the show. Or, yeah. or Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres right. show was called uh, These Friends of Mine or Some Friends of Mine or something in the first season. Mm. And then it became yeah. Ellen. Okay. So wow. it, it, and also it's well, let me just speak globally. It's just amazing that we're talking about Boy Meets World in 2023. It's like, yeah, uh, it, it's it was. I, I was producing the show. And speak, what shows that? What What's that? Right. What is that? Boy right. Meets, huh? Well, everything you're saying touches on exactly what we have said and the way based on the way we felt at the time, which was we always felt like we were on the bubble, like we were at any point in time going to be canceled. There was no security, job security for anybody anywhere. Um, And also we felt like we were recording a show for our grandparents because no one really knew who the show, what the show was. Yes. And and we didn't know that there were young people whose lives we were forming. And uh, it, it's just so cool. Uh, and yeah, then- we did have a show where every season we waited for a call from the governor to pardon us for the next season. Like they're about to flip the switch. And then it was like, no, nah, we'll give them one more. Well, but yeah. we so I actually asked this question when we were recording a couple weeks ago. But did are were we picked up for the full order? Uh, for second season or were we only picked I up think for the so, front but 13? it still okay. was uh, they wanted the show to have a longer future like growing pains and so that was part of the reason uh or a big reason that well aging it up and yeah. um uh you know i've heard you guys talk about the drop shock of second yeah. season but uh i think even all the changes we did we still stayed true or true-ish to the characters and people were watching the same characters totally. and i do listen to your podcast and it's nice to He'll hear that you guys are more comfortable and and liking the stuff in, in the second season, because honestly, I, you know, I was listening to the 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 episode where you're talking about the show I wrote, the only one with my name on it, writer. And it's just I, I could hear you guys mentally throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> It was super disorienting. It was. For sure it was. But also one of the things we loved about it was how many new characters you guys were able to introduce in that first episode and still make it all 
makes sense. I mean, it was very disorienting, but it was still a great episode with introducing so many new iconic characters. Well, Ryder, you're disoriented when the classroom faces the other way. So I I know everything, everything turns down. But but do you remember that first episode? Because it seemed like when when we were we were talking about I was like, this must have been crazy behind the scenes because we had like nine new characters and so many storylines and new sets. It was just it seemed like a lot. Yeah, I, I watched it last night, actually, to to rewatch and uh some things i remember crisply and precisely and some things was was i there i don't remember that (laughs) right but you know we tried a lot of things the the stuff with the 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 thugs worked great uh and uh and uh introducing uh tony quinn it just worked great that was a great way to meet him a great way to set up the the relationship with feeney and uh the relationship between uh turner and uh and Ben was great. And so many things worked. I was looking at it last night saying so many things worked. But yeah, it was like that was the charge. Age up the show, introduce new characters, put it in a different world. There were um, influences. Uh, 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 Friends was an influence just to have uh, yeah. to flesh out the the 20-something characters that, that uh, uh, Tony represented. And um, also there was another tremendously successful ABC show called Happy Days. And mm-hmm. it was just... Uh, a flavor of that element with the show and make it a fun place oh. for kids to hang out and grow up in, in, in the show and in the audience. So happy days was a conscious reference yeah. that you were told. Okay. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause we've talked about how the thugs have this sort yes. of throwback vibe to them, like this vibe, sort of yeah. old school high school bully. And we've said it's like a happy days ish thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's that, that super was, interesting. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. As a podcast focused on reliving memories from our past, I can tell you firsthand, as you get older, your memory just isn't as reliable as it used to be. Yeah, if we didn't have Will here, there would be a lot of dead air. (laughs) That is true, Robert. Well, guys, since I know you need a little help, you're going to love Legacy Box. It's the safest way to digitize your home videos and pictures, even when you think you don't have a way to watch them anymore. Oh, this is perfect, especially with Mother's Day right around the corner. It really is the perfect gift for the whole family, whether it's a sweet 16 or college graduation. First steps or performing a Backstreet Boys dance in between scenes on your childhood network sitcom. This is the way to reconnect with your history. The process is so easy. You just fill your legacy box with old VHS or camcorder tapes, pictures, negatives, film reels. I mean, they even work with over 15 different types of analog media, so they have you covered. Then you just send the box back and their team professionally digitizes everything by hand in the U.S. And you'll get it all back on the cloud or on a thumb drive along with your originals. I recently sent off my first box to Legacy Box and I got into my old storage unit and found about 40 tapes, all different media. And I was able to label each one and send it off. I cannot wait to see what these tapes hold. Jensen and I also recently got some of his home videos digitized and being able to hear his parents' voices again has been a real gift. So join over 1.5 million families that have trusted Legacy Box with their memories. Go to LegacyBox.com world to save 60% during their best Mother's Day sale ever. 
It's time to connect with your past and make sure those memories are preserved properly. That's LegacyBox.com slash world. Summer is steadily approaching, and you know what that means. Wearing a shirt at the beach so I don't look like a sad radish for the entire vacation? Okay, maybe. Being thirsty? Yes, Ryder, you got it. It is time to go outside and bask in the glory that is sunshine with barbecues and hikes and trips to exotic locations. With your shirt on. Yes, with your shirt on. It is time to jump into a camper van with your son and your wife and torture everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with all these summer activities, it's so important that you stay hydrated. And we're here to tell you all about Liquid IV. It has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. You just rip open a packet and pour it into your water and bam, you're hydrating with electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. But most importantly, it tastes good. It's so easy and perfect after a workout, which I do to replenish after a nice long run. And you can travel with Liquid IV right there in your pocket. Add it to a water on a flight or after a big night when you need just a little assistance to get up in the morning. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. And with sugar-free flavors like white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime, you can't miss. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code WORLD at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WORLD at liquidiv.com. I have a I have a question. Um, yes, sir. So in all these meetings before season two starts, you're getting all your marching orders from the network and we want to age yes. it up. We want to do all this stuff. Ever a talk of dropping any or all of the three of us? Oh, no. OK, just checking. No, Will, you never know. Will wants his dad to be no, right, to be right. Very well, badly. You have no idea. In some, in some ways, I am Will's dad. Do they know that story? Will? Yeah, they don't know this story yet. We will get into that story. <laughs> <Okay>. yes. <What? laughs> of, of David still being my dad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but no, uh, but I was yeah, wondering that... if they were like, we don't, you know, the Eric, it's the Chucky Cunningham, the Eric character, or we're not going to get bring Topanga back. I mean, Ryder was probably fine. Well, with the, Corey and Sean, but we why? Did, you know, because, because I was you guys actually had established, not related. You're physically related no, to the but character. That's, it's like, usually you have that established bond between right. best friends where they're not going right. to, you know, they tried so hard to bring in a third best friend. They weren't going right. to bring in, you know, somebody else. But right. at, especially with Eric in the first season, kind of lifted out. Topanga could have disappeared. Yeah. Right. Um, well, the, I mean, we saw it happen. So it was I was wondering if that if that had been discussed at any level. Well, no, the the discussions were uh, well, Michael said something very sage. He said the show is about how uh, Ben and Ryder uh, are, um, are Corey and, and, and Sean are the same and how they're different. It's about their differences and their similarities, which was mm-hmm. a, a template for for the show and it's template for for finding stories. And then mm-hmm. uh, we were all very serious about making Topanga integral to the show and that it was about uh, Corey. Uh, having a a friend and a girlfriend and watching those relationships develop. And that's really what the show was about. To me, those best episodes are uh, in that, in that arc, in that, you know, uh, trio. And, uh, and, but we loved the way that will, that you evolved. It was like, we got to find a place for this guy, this guy's so talented, this guy's so funny that that's (laughs) easy to swear that we got to find something for this guy to do. And a, a little bit more than just the, um, 
see, I hate when you say, oh, that's the gun- dumb guy. That's the dumb character. Right. I always say they think differently. They're either a beat behind. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. That's the best writing it, approach you could take. Yeah, and if you smart, come to it yeah. that way, you don't want to make a joke that's dumb. You yeah. want to make yeah. a joke that sees, that's different. There's a great joke where I don't, I don't think you've done the episode. It's the radio station one where Feeney opens the door yeah. and sees, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> right. uh, Ben and Ryder. And Ryder says, don't move. Don't Maybe move. he doesn't see us. Legendary, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's to me, that's not a dumb joke. That's, right. To me, right. it's a guy thinking differently. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Will's character, Eric is like, what can we, what can we, what, what can we do? How can we fit in and just have a guy who can just go nuts and just yeah. be big and yeah. make you mm-hmm. believe it? I mean, a lot of times actors can go big and you just don't believe it. But, you know, commitment is what makes the beat, the bit makes it work. And, right. you know, Will Friedle, uh he knows how to commit and make something yeah, funny. So. No one is more committed than Will. Truly. It's middle name. It's it's yeah. William Allen. I was going to say, for I was gonna say if, it's, if, anybody, if, if one of us needs to be committed, yeah. uh, it's Sorry. truly me. When the straight lines are hanging out there, it's hard to resist. <laughs> so I, I think you kind of answered this, but I want to ask very specifically, were you brought in by Michael first and then approved by the network or were the you brought network, in by the network? I had not met Michael. I had not known Michael. Uh, so okay. I was the network's choice and, uh, you know, he accepted it. We got along. Um, uh, guys who had, uh, uh, been roughly doing what I did in the first season were Ed Decker and John Strauss. Yes. And they are like my best friends. We talk all the time. Really? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I went to college with Ed, uh, uh, John and I lived close to each other for a while and like, like had breakfast every day for, you know, a million Such years. Such nice guys. So, I have very fond memories of that. I haven't I seen them too. for years, but I, I have very fond memories. We need to get memories. them on the podcast. I, I yeah. talked to Ed yesterday. Oh, please. Uh, we yeah, have to, we have a, to reach out. Uh, yeah. A, a, a great guy. And, uh, and so they were kind of happy to get out, honestly. And mm-hmm. uh, I w- was looking forward to running that show. I'd seen the episodes. I thought uh, I didn't like all the stories because I thought that these aren't the type of stories that are going to sustain a primetime show for mm-hmm. for years and years. And that's what ABC wanted. And I was, you know, I was installed by ABC and, and you know, with Michael's approval and we met. Right, and, right, right. Yeah. But, and at the um, time, if I remember correctly, Michael was also trying to start other shows during yes, our yeah, second season, yeah. right? He had so he was shows. off, actually. He would like leave our set for yeah. a week or two because he would be working on another show, right? So what were those shows? Do you guys remember what they were? Was it maybe this time? Was this it maybe season? this time at that point yet? I feel I don't like know every year for like two or three years yeah. there, he was creating he did, another pilot another or whatever. He did the Genie yeah. show at one right. point. You wish. Maybe, that was third or fourth Maybe season. next time or whatever that one maybe was Maybe this time. Um, but yeah, he was, he always Misery had loves company, misery loves company. Uh, he also did Zoe Duncan, Jack and Jane. I mean, he right. had a bunch of shows while we were going, mm-hmm. um, which, which was, yeah, we never, he would kind of pop in and pop out during that, that yeah. whole second season. No, yeah. in the third season, when we moved down to KTLA, uh, we didn't see him that much. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that was where he really, okay. yeah. Well, he had, I remember there was a period where you were giving notes and like yes. you were running the show and it was like, oh, we would see Michael every couple of weeks or maybe on tape night. But um, to be but, fair. Yeah. Who wants to go to KTLA? Yeah, <laughs> it was a rough. That was a rough time. <laughs> you hadn't uh, uh, you hadn't started yet because we were in uh, writers mode when we went there and we got the new offices. And yeah. it, it was either the first or second day where someone said, "Everybody stay inside their offices." There's a shooting in the building across yeah. the street, so everybody 
you know, yeah. get in their yeah. offices. And it was, yeah. we'd sit there and look at each other and be like, which strip club should these kids go to to have <laughs> lunch, lunch today? <laughs> huh, That's when we started getting lunch delivered, right? Yeah, we had right. to. Because at, at Disney, we would go to the commissary. Yeah. Right? The or there would be stuff around it, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, KTLA, there was literally <laughs> nothing nearby. Nope. And the two, I got the Tuesday morning buffet at the local strip club is really sad. I got to be totally honest with you. It's gotten better. <laughs> They've redone those studios, right? They're called something else now. I'm so I curious. I think so. Yeah. 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 I, I drove Netflix by. Netflix is like, there. Netflix oh, is, is there. Is Netflix, Netflix is there? Is that yeah. what it is? Oh, yeah. And they have a nice commissary because so nice. they're Netflix. You know, yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Okay. So I, I also, I'm dying to know, I want to know, how did you get growing pains? How did you start there? Uh, okay. My career. I was... Uh, living in New York and wanted to work in film and TV, wanted to direct. Everybody wants to direct. I can see nods in these boxes. Yeah, not, not Will. <laughs> no desire. Yeah. No desire. And um, it was 1985, and I wrote an episode of a show called The Cosby Show, and saying Cosby yes. in 1985 is very different from saying Cosby now. Yep. I, so I wrote a spec Cosby script through social contacts. I, I met an agent and she um her name's phyllis wonder we're still in touch uh even though she's retired and uh she said i have some contacts in la and i realized that at some point if i was want to stay in the industry i needed to uh, know what la was like so i came out with my spec cosby script stayed on ed dector's couch another ed wow. reference, and lightning struck and the first producer that read it hired me and it was for this show called Growing uh, the aforementioned Growing Pains. Wow. And I went in with as a green writer with no credits. And I stayed there six years. Jeez, I wow. went, you know, all the way up the the the, the food chain. And I ended up being a co-executive producer. And of your first ever project. That's incredible. My first ever project. Wow, but I, I, I sometimes leery to tell that story because then people will hate me. But I can yeah. assure you I've been beaten up. And uh, have had many uh, uh, lumps career-wise. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. Peaks yeah. and valleys. But that was a that was a hell of a peak. Yes. Uh, but uh, and that was great fun because I had, it was a great show. Uh, I had wonderful mentors. Uh, the the showrunner, head writer Dan Gunselman just taught me everything. The, the another executive producer, Mike Sullivan, he came from the network, so I learned network stuff from these two guys. They were amazing mentors, and they said, "You're not a story editor. You're in producer school." So that was kind of what I've tried to do when I've run shows is just treat the staff as if they're in producer school. But it was amazing. I I I left there knowing multi-camera production inside and out. And it, it was great. And uh, then had a development deal where I failed miserably. So um, I wrote some pilots, shot some pilots, nothing got on the air. So at the end of that, uh, I hear ABC, you know, they still like you. They want you on the show called Boy Meets World. And I looked at it. I said, this could be fun. Wow. Okay, so then you come to Boy Meets World. Yes, I do. You like the episodes you've seen, but you don't necessarily love all the stories. What are your first impressions of all of the cast? How professional you guys were, how you seem very real, how you seem to intuitively understand your characters. And uh, it was kind of, I won't say easy to write for, but it's like, oh, okay, they can do this. This is great. So uh, it was... You, you got to love your characters. Yeah. And it helps if you love your actors. And uh, and you guys are great. And hey, look, we're still talking. And it's you know, 25 years later. And still exactly. getting along. I'm still in touch with all you guys, you know? Yeah. So. 
Amazing. A little known fact, David Kendall, I shadowed David Kendall and David Kendall was very instrumental in me starting my directing career because after Girl Meets World, where I had directed four episodes, I tried for two straight years, basically, for people to take me seriously as a director and nobody really wanted to. Nobody was willing to take the risk on me. And then Mark Reisman, who created the show um, Sydney to the Max for Disney Channel, was willing to take a chance on me, but he flat out told me in our meeting, David Kendall directed my pilot. And if it were up to me, David Kendall would direct every single one of my episodes, <laughs> but they won't let me do that. So, and then we, you know, spent a long time talking and he ended up deciding he was going to give me a couple episodes to direct, but he very in the nicest way possible w- told me he would feel a lot more comfortable if I came and shadowed David Kendall. And I was like, well, the good news is I know David Kendall very <laughs> yeah, very well. well. Yes, and yes, so yeah. David, David is one of my mentors. Yeah, well, I uh, you, I shadowed too. David too. You didn't know I was shadowing you. <laughs> it's called stalking, Will. It's it called several, stalking. No, I stayed he's, more than fifty. He's in feet your away. closet right now, <laughs> yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I love gentlemen. what you've done with the place. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I shadowed uh, David too. I. You know, it's funny. You're one of the few people I know of that has worked in television on both sides, like where as a writer, producer, and a director. Most people usually, you know, stay on one side of that line, but you've crossed it a bunch of times. And, and in fact, yeah. more than anything, you you mostly consider yourself a director nowadays, well, right? If you, my DNA, I'm, I'm a writer. Uh, mm. And I think writer is the most important thing because without a script, nothing. Right. But um, it's more fun to direct. And yeah. uh, I have a blast directing. I never have a bad day directing, often writing and producing, running a show. You'll have many bad days. Yeah. Right. You get the bad phone calls. Uh, if you're an episodic director where it's someone else's show, it's just the, you know, I I, I joke that it's the difference between parenting and grandparenting, that writing mm-hmm. and producing a show is like parenting with all the stresses. And it's, you know, it's miserable, but you love your kids so much and you do anything for them. And right. grandparenting is like. Yeah, they're done at the end of the week. Uh, they had ice cream for dinner. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm not a grandparent, but that's how I like it. Yeah, yeah, that's how you think of it. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Wow, that's amazing. Did you ever bring in any guest stars from Growing Pains? Like, did you ever, we talk a lot about how Michael was really loved to reuse actors that he was familiar with and that he knew. When you started running Boy Meets World, did you have like a group of people you went to for things? I can't remember if we had anybody... I don't know. I have to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can. Nothing come. Nothing at top of mind. Nothing at okay. top of mind. So. I don't think so. Actually, yeah. I'm thinking of the cast of growing. I'm going through the cast of growing pains in my head, and I don't think we had anybody. I mean, maybe somebody that had done both shows. You know, kind yeah, of a, yeah, a, not, a guest cast, but no, but none of the none of the regulars. I don't think came on. Um, and also, the, I think that a lot of the the cast of Growing Pains uh, didn't want to do a, another ABC Family show for a while. It was like let's right. get get out of this for a while. I, I have a question. When when you got the marching orders everybody got the marching orders to age up the show was anybody against that did anybody say no we don't no. want to do that or did it, it sounds no. like it would make sense to kind of age it up a little bit and yeah the the, the stories and the tone of the first season was not sustainable for a primetime show right and right. you know the show ran seven years you know i don't i can't imagine those stories you know we had to, the the show had to grow up everybody to grow up and uh it was a little bit of a of a big change uh but uh i think it was uh i think it was worth it and uh um, yeah, last night I looked at uh, the first one, the, the only one I, I wrote and the, the first one I directed, which was the end of the first season where uh, writer starts, uh, uh, um, Sean starts living with the Matthews and then ends up at Turner's. Anyway, it was a lovely episode. 
Yeah. That happens at the end Wait, of second season. That's the end of second, second season. season. Yeah, is the it? second season is he's. Uh, I'm getting ahead wow. of your rewatch, but yeah, yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't realize Sean was already running away. Second it, season, crazy. Yeah. End of the second. No, I guess it makes sense because Tony was only there for what two, three seasons yeah, until the end of the third. Or, right, so yeah, so it's we, we're oh. we, we're trying to figure out all the timeline. And that and was going on. the first episode you had ever directed, right? Oh no, I had uh, when I was on Growing Pains. There was a spinoff of Growing Pains uh, called Just the Ten of Us. Okay, and um, we had a house director for Growing Pains, John Tracy, who directed the pilot yes. for Boy the yeah. And so uh, we did not have a house director for uh, just the 10 of us. And so I got my first directing assignment at uh, just the 10 of us. And oh, that was cool. uh, my first. And uh, and then directing you guys was my second. Wow. And, uh, when I came back after running the show and I came back in, in the directing rotation, that's when I really started to direct a lot more. And you guys were so important to me as, a, as developing as a director because I knew you guys. You trusted me. You could I could talk to you guys. And so um, it just allowed me the freedom and, and the security and the secure environment to direct. So I felt after directing a bunch of those Boy Meets Worlds, it really helped me and gave me confidence and gave me fluency in directing. So yeah. thank you. Guys. And you've That's done awesome. now 200 plus episodes of television. I have yeah. directed 200 plus episodes of television, all told as writer, producer, director, 600, 600. episodes of television and over 40 different series because I am very old. Wow. And we're, still, we're, we're still your favorite. Yes. <laughs> um, can we, we, we should also talk a little bit about how this was the end of an era when it came to television, because the idea of a network coming in and saying, we really like this show. We want to change it a bit and tweak it because we want it to have longevity and we want it to grow. That doesn't right. exist anymore. Yeah. You, they don't let stuff grow anymore. You do a few episodes of something. Ah, we hate it and they cancel it. I mean, it's so rare nowadays to see something that, you know, they believe in and they want they want to have grow. They want to have change. They want to build a night. That's something that is yeah. was so old school TV. And I think we caught that right at the end. Um, all the biggest shows in television history, MASH, Cheers, uh, I mean, you name it, the the office, even new stuff. They were going to be canceled. But the network went, no, let's let's change it. I think we can find an audience. We're going to move a night. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. That's just gone. Uh, so, I mean, that's. It, it, it shows, I mean, it just shows what you can find when you give something a chance to find itself and find its audience. Yeah, giving show a, a chance to grow is not uh, what we do so much anymore. So. No, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. We talk a lot about moms on this podcast and how important they are to us. Absolutely. Without Jen Fischel, what pictures would we post on our social media? But above and beyond all the incredible mom things they did for us, laundry, dinners, let us travel to Los Angeles alone to chase our dreams of acting. Will, what, what else was your mom doing? Uh, my mom was also running all three courts in Connecticut while authoring books. Wow. Well, whether your mom was a legal trailblazer or just the greatest source of inspiration and care in the world, this Mother's Day, she deserves some flowers. You are right. And that's why I'm sending mine farm fresh flowers from Books. 
That's short for bouquets. And while I'm teaching you things, how about 25% off your entire books order so you can join us in treating our mothers to a beautiful arrangement? Love it. Here's why I like the Books Company. They are different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. That's really cool. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Your mom is unique, so she deserves flowers just as special. And Books is simple. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code WORLD for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code WORLD. Books promo code WORLD. When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a tech-forward electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard? Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. What were your experiences with Bill Daniels like? Uh, Bill was... Bill can be tough. I eventually bonded and, and I love him and, and I'm still in touch with Bill and Bonnie. And did you see my, uh, I uh, saw it. The Feeny Weenie. Yeah. So for those listening, it's, there's a prop from the show where new principal is Weenie. So, yes. yes. And you, and, and that's the original, that's the original one. That's well, I guess it was one of the original ones. Yes. Right. Yes. I'm and sure they made a bunch so of I them. I keep it in my bedroom so I can be reminded every day. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, Bill, uh, eventually because uh, bill i think likes to test people a little bit or make sure that they're they're savvy and so once we got past that it was it's a, a great relationship and mm-hmm. and still is and uh um you know there's just to direct bill daniels is just great and to and to to give him an idea or a thought and to see that he thinks oh i'll do that because this person's not an idiot is is a great sense of satisfaction so yes uh, yeah no, it, it was a uh, uh, Bill's amazing. Bill's amazing. Do you have a favorite episode of Boy Meets World? I do not. Yeah, I just I, I remember scenes and moments and, and also attach them to the experiences in the writer's room. Yeah. And uh, which is an amazing thing. And if you haven't been a part of it in a, in a series, it's really one of those things that's impossible to describe. Uh, but, you know, we had a great writer's room. 
uh, too. We had just great people. And that's, I think, another part of the reason of the show's success, in addition to how, how great you guys are, is we had people who just worked hard and loved the show. So um, yeah. it was uh, it was a good it was a good group. Well, we mentioned in your intro that you have gone on to direct all A-listers when they were kids. Austin Butler, Zendaya, Miley, Ariana Grande. What do those stars have in, have in common when they were kids? Like what did what was the secret sauce of those kids? I think the secret sauce is is, is stays secret, but but you can tell if someone really's got it. Well, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, uh, you know, like with Miley Cyrus, who I did the first few episodes of Hannah Montana, and she was very green. She didn't know what a 50-50 was. She didn't know where to stand. She didn't know how to cheat out. And But, you know, you just talk to her and you see the progress bar going, you know, mm-hmm. quickly. And then you just watch a run through where it's time to perform. And there's just that little extra, just that little extra. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, that was not a surprise that she became big. I mean, who knows how big she was going to be? Uh, the same with Ariana. Just there's a little extra spark uh that sometimes sometimes you can tell and um uh it's uh, uh some people and i won't name names so it's just like i can't believe they're huge but a lot of times <laughs> uh, a lot of times it's like oh yeah that's no surprise yeah i mean brad pitt was on growing pains and yeah uh, yeah he was and that was like okay yeah, like three, this guy's two, a star. one, superstar. Yeah, right. right. But was it Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, also on Growing Pains? Yeah, Leo. I was not. I did six of the seven years I had left, and Leo came in. You know, I uh. was at, still at Warner Brothers, so you know, I met him a few times with the other cast. But uh, Leo was there. Uh, not my year. I did not work with Leo. Were you involved in the casting process of all the new people in the episode you wrote, Back to School? Yeah, I mean, all the, all the producers were. I mean, Sally Steiner, your uh, wonderful yeah. casting director, I'm still in touch with. And and then I think Barbie didn't, Barbie Block didn't start with her till the season after that. I, I think remember. season, so, three, like season yeah. three, yeah. Yeah, uh, she brought in people and it was, you know, me and Michael and then a couple of the other producers. And then, of course, the network and studio input. But uh, yeah, I, w- I was in on it. It was a, you know, a group decision. Uh, you know, and the network is always going to weigh in, especially about uh, important things like who Mr. Turner was going to be. Oh, now, I'm so glad you said that. Okay, okay wait, well, I, I just had one, I just wanted one quick question. So the you're talking about like the network and notes from the network. Did right. did you get any? I mean, obviously they wanted to make a radical change or what would would appear to be a radical change between season one and season two. Were yes. there any overall network notes between season two and season three that they wanted changes for, or or was it kind of like, no, you guys have found it now, just keep I, doing what you're doing? It was that was it. No, you guys have found it now, and 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 I think we did, and I think that. Uh, uh, to me, usually in a show, third season is often the creative peak. It's like the, the first season, it starts to get off the ground. Second season, it gels. Third season, it peaks. Fourth season, it's a little off peak. Fifth season, it's, yeah, there's still some good in there. And sixth season, it's like, why are we still doing this? So uh, <laughs> not always, not always the case, uh, you know, uh, but uh, that seems to be a general pattern of of, of television. But uh, uh, But, you know, you can survive if you're starting to do if you open up the world, which Boy Meets World did wonderfully, you know, with you and and uh, and Matt and Maitland, I mean, that was great. And just kind of expanding the worlds, so, you know, exploring the uh, college um, in general. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was great because that was it was still the same show. Sometimes right. when a show becomes a different show, it doesn't quite work. Oh, let's do something really different. Eh, it usually doesn't work. But let's take uh, the dynamics that work and just put them in different 
arenas. So, but we were also uh, two seasons in before they even made Corey and Topanga a thing. So that then took the show in an entirely different direction that kind of became the core of the show. So we didn't even right. find that until what, 30, what, 45 episodes in, 50 episodes I, in? I, it was it, uh, found as maybe the not the best word because it was like we're waiting to do that. We right. knew we were going to go. So there. you do, you knew you were going to go. So even with Danielle, when she was, you know, kind of a guest cast, quote unquote guest cast, um, you, Corey and Topanga was already planned. That was a thing at the start In of the season In the second two. season it was. I don't know about the first season, yeah. but the second season it's like, let's do this slowly because we want to, you know, Get make to the show run for a while. Yeah. They're really good together. Uh, Danielle really pops. She's fantastic. And uh, their chemistry is good. And, and uh, let's do this slowly. And one step forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Cool. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. What can you tell us and what do you remember about the casting of Tony for Mr. Turner? Uh, I remember a lot of guys came in and just Tony just nailed it. I, he was warm. He was funny. He had a great presence. And it wasn't like, um, well, how about this guy? It was like Tony came in and read and I can't remember the other names, but right. it was like, OK, Tony, it's 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 going to be Tony. I didn't realize that Michael had worked with him before, honestly. Right. So uh, he just he just nailed it. And so how much of Mr. Turner's character and getting involved with Sean's character and that story arc that ends up happening, how much of that was planned from the beginning and how much of that was like natural evolution? I think it was natural evolution because yeah. also you don't know how the new character is going to click and how the chemistry is going to be. And then uh, I can't remember all of the uh, the thinking that went into it. But, uh, you know, if we established uh, Sean's home life as being kind of weird and not necessarily healthy and mm -hmm. taking the approach of walking the line of making that funny and also taking the character seriously. And uh, it was like, this is a good relationship. Let's let's try this. Right. Wow. Now, as you're coming up with these stories, I'm curious because Michael is kind of popping in and out. Uh, right. Uh, you know, are is is the room and you are you kind of guiding where the stories are going and Michael's coming in and kind of saying like yeah that works or is he coming in and saying no we're going to switch this up or I mean would he come in and change things would he help guide I mean what was kind of what was he doing at the time because I know he was involved with other projects for most of what I remember is I'm, I'm running the room and it's like let's talk about story areas let's talk about arcs let's talk about general directions let's write up a, a beat sheet to get Michael on board and then get the network to approve it and the studio to improve it so it was really, you know, lots of steps. But um, in the day to day, uh, I was running the room. Sometimes Michael would be there, uh, but um, it was it was mostly me and, you know, and and the great uh, our great writing staff. Wow. It was a great staff. Yeah, really we had was. we had uh, um, we, we got along. We, it was just a fun energy. There was one story that I because I, I was thinking about this where um we all know Jeff Manel. He's been a guest. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't remember who started it. It was uh, he was being picked on for maybe eating more than he should. And it's just, oh, you know, it's... Jeff, you got to watch your cholesterol. So there was a writer's room pool on pick Manel's cholesterol. Who can oh, pick Manel's cholesterol? <laughs> so uh, we got one of those home tests and oh uh, we all, you know, write that wrote down our, our numbers. And uh, I remember I won. And wow. so with the money that I won, I wrote a check to the American Heart Association because I told <laughs> Jeff, I don't want your blood money. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, so that was kind of the energy of the writer's room. Did you ever feel I mean, I'm sure you felt pressure, but did that pressure like did you ever feel 
I don't know how knowing that it was basically handed to you. Your job is to turn the season one kitty show, turn the ship around, turn it into a more aged up show that's going to get us many, many years. Like, did you ever feel the pressure of that? Did that ever get to you? Or did you did you just have so much confidence that you knew what to do that it was fine? Uh, well, you know, it wasn't me solo. You know, Michael's there. The network's there. We had a good staff. Uh, and but I, I was confident that I think I know how to do this. So um, but it's it's always pressure. It's always yeah. pressure. It's it's uh, no matter what, if you're if you're running a show, it's like, yeah, you're going to be the person uh, who picks the words that will fuel this machine that spends millions and millions of dollars. And uh, oh, yeah. And be funny. You know, right. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> Universally funny. Something we can yeah. all agree is funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, wow. yeah, there was pressure. And, and, and you know, it, it's, uh, it's staying on budget. Uh, it, the way it worked at the time at, the, at Disney is every quarter uh, I would be summoned to Disney and, and uh, they'd look at the budget and say, you're 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 four percent over budget where you. Wow. And I said, you know, that's 96 percent good. You know, I, I'd like a 96 percent in anything I'm doing. So, OK, so we'll use it, uh, one less guest star and have less trees. OK, you know, OK. Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, often the guest guest cast, just cast must yeah. have been the most expensive component, right? Uh, yeah, there was there. That was you were we were limited until who we could. I mean, I've heard you guys right. discuss, you know, where's where's Topanga this week? What happened? How come this person come back? Yeah, and money's right. a factor, but it's also pages. It, it's you know, it's if mm -hmm. a sitcom script is 45 pages and a story, the A story is going to take 30 pages. And it's about, uh, you know, uh, Eric and, and Corey. And it's just, uh, uh, oh, we have to make sure that Sean has something to do. So let's find that. And and uh, and of course, you have to find something for Bill to do. And and and. Uh, Rusty and Betsy, the parents. So, yes, so you know, many characters. It, it, it's it's a lot of things to uh, yeah. to fit in. Now and that that's you mentioned Bill, so that's one one question I wanted to ask you because it seems like you know he's brought on as the principal essentially right. in this in the second season, so he's right. not in the classroom, um, right. and it it seems like he has kind of a smaller role this year than he did season one. Uh, was that also something that was planned or I mean, because, again, you want to age it up, but you want to, you know, age it up for the kids. Was it was it kind of like, hey, we're going to just move Bill to the side a little bit more than we did last year? It was more like when you have other characters to service. If you're mm -hmm. going to go to school, you all have that many scenes and pages in school. And uh, if you're going to do the faculty, you have another faculty member to serve and introduce. And I'd like to think. Yeah, if you probably looked at the screen time that Bill had first versus second season, he had less in the second season. But I'd like to think that the stuff he did was as meaningful. Yeah, uh, sure. And and that his presence, I mean, Bill could be in seven pages and you'd feel him through the whole show. Yeah. You know, yeah. just that strong a presence. But there was never anything, oh, yeah, we need less Bill. It, it was never that. It's just uh, this is what we have to do to make the show run uh, lots of years. And it's what we have to introduce. And uh uh, you know, after the third season, I, you know, I was not there, so I don't know what was in, uh, the, the, you know, Tony and, and other parts and who was coming and who was going, you know, I you came back, back to direct. direct though, right? Yeah. I came back to direct, but it's like, okay, here's the script. Yeah. Great. All right. 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 So work. why, why did you leave? I, I had other opportunities to do stuff and led to my own show that got on the air that didn't last, but, uh, uh, it was a tough decision because I, you know, missed and bonded with you guys. That's why I was. It was real happy, very happy when uh, Blutman and Busgang, who were running it after I had left, Mark and Howard, said, "Would you want to come back and direct?" And it was like, "Hell yeah!" Before yeah. they got the end of the sentence, and uh, 
and you guys welcomed me back. It wasn't like, you know, what the hell are you doing here? Grudge holders. You yeah, left yeah. us. You <laughs> yeah, left it, us. I didn't, I didn't sense any of that. If you, if you did, you hit it well. No. No. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm curious how much of our conscious brains like understood like director. I mean, I, we definitely knew directors versus writers versus producers, but like you showing up to direct, we were probably like, oh, you've been here this whole time. Yeah. More yeah. 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 You're yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. That leads to another thing. I've heard you guys talk about things that happened uh, that you were not privy to or things not being explained or just, hey, you got to kiss this person now. And I apologize for not being sensitive to that. Uh, and uh, it's just, I listened to it. And I go, oh man, why didn't I think of that? So uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> sorry for being part of putting you guys through that. So no, uh, it's, it's fine. Thank yeah, you. It's, but... it's all part of the culture of the time. You know, it's yes. like, yeah. It's, yeah, totally. it's definitely, yeah. it's hard to, you can't really single any one person mm -hmm. out for responsibility for that sort of thing. It was just the vibe, you know, and that's, yeah, that, that's that why being a child actor is hard in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. And, you yeah. don't and have control over Sometimes that. we treated the child actors like they were children. So, yes. and, uh, but also, yeah. In an adult, in an adult role, so it's a yeah, tricky thing. yeah, it's it a, is. Right. It's a very, it's a, it's a strange balance that we, I, that again, when you're in it and you've been doing it for, we all started when we were so young that it was just normal for us. It was all just a normal kind of thing. It's looking back with the eyes of an adult that you kind of go, oh, maybe that wasn't normal for a twelve year old, you know, that kind right. of stuff. So, well, also yeah. there was definitely there. There's always been an idea of, well, that's their job. That's what yeah. actors do. Yeah. Well, you yeah. you do right. whatever's on mm. the page, and it and it's only you know like Will said, now as adults looking back on it and it being us, uh, that I think, you know, we're able to go, hey, yeah, it was our job, but also first before professionals were children. Um, yeah. And I think now people think about that, you know, way from the beginning, like these are real people, these are real children, and let's address those concerns and needs first. And then we can talk about the professional aspect of it and the job aspect of it. Um but that's just, you know, time that yeah. things they we talk, really... yeah. we've talked about it on this podcast, how for the, the life of the child actor is constantly growing, evolving and getting better. Yes. Um, yes. You know, from yes. back in the day when you're when the kids were on set for 25 hours and doing their own stunts and blah, blah, blah and to you know, what we went through, which was was mostly a very positive experience all the yeah. way around oh, to yeah. now yeah. where it's very much about making sure that everybody's safe and healthy and happy well, and all that kind of stuff. Working with kids is it's its own thing. You have to treat them. Uh, remember their kids, treat them respectfully like adults, but we are here to work yeah. and I'm feel really good. I mean, we're all still in touch and yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is, absolutely. You know, uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've said this before. I feel like I have about 40 nieces and nephews out there uh, <laughs> from the, the shows I've done and, and one son. Will I was going to say, and one son with me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Can you guys what tell us the story? story? Well, you do, go. You, you want me to tell well, yes, how yes. I remember? So I remember we were, so the Nancy Kerrigan was coming on to do the dream sequence. And of course, yeah. we had to go and shoot uh, the sequence in Lake Placid. Which you guys was... got to go in the field together. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was beautifully warm, sunny, happy times. It was like <laughs> negative 60 degrees. Um, and we flew there. And it was it was David and Karen McCain. Karen McCain, the line producer, wonderful line producer. Incredible yeah. line producer. And the three of us went. And was it at a restaurant? Was it in the airport? Where did this happen? It was in the airplane because you were I was sitting with Karen and you were a row ahead of us. And they asked it. Didn't they? Did they ask you or did they asked me? You tell the story. because I can't remember exactly what happened. The, the steward uh, uh, clearly he fancied Will. And wanted to make sure that it will was alone before pursuing further conversation and uh, said, is that your father uh, referring to me? 
So, and I was not his father. So, uh, so from that, that moment, that moment on, yeah, it's, he's, he would always be like, how you doing, son? I'm like, I'm good, dad. I'm good, dad. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, son. Yeah. Happy, I will. I'll get happy oh birthday, God. son. I get all this yeah. stuff. So David yeah. Kendall is my producer TV daddy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You guys bonded on that trip. I remember you guys came back and you were like, fast friends for the rest of the yeah. show it was so funny yeah yeah we had inside I was so jokes jealous you guys had such was, a good time yeah it was it was a it was a lot of fun it was a, it but, was just because ex- it was an experience just being in the field you know it was an experience yeah. yeah but will didn't get to go to disney world so let's Don't. not bring up the fun lake plastic oh trip because he Don't. didn't get to he go to not. disney i world. wasn't gonna bring it up danielle it was gonna be water <laughs> under a really cold bridge <laughs> okay david i have a very important question for you and i yes, think you're thanks. the perfect person to answer it would Danielle Harris, who played TK, would Danielle Harris have been back had Danny McNulty stuck around for longer? Like, would was there potential for Danielle Harris to be more of a recurring guest cast? Because she was so incredible as yeah. TK. She was great, but I, it was a wonderful one-off story. Yeah. But if we had to honor that character and bring her back, it would have taken up a lot of pages and a lot of stories. Yeah. So I can't remember that being as wonderful as it was. There's sometimes there's great one-off stories that uh, um, when you're in the room trying to come up with stories uh, that keeps the, the engine going and the main dynamics, right. that was not one of them. That would right. have been, uh, that's a spinoff. That's not okay. a Boy Meets World. Right. Right. I also, you know, a couple since we watched that episode and talked about it, a couple of people have sent us behind the scenes, Danielle Harris, like some there's some YouTube video of like yeah, a whole yeah. behind the scenes about her. And I feel like in some ways we were kind of lucky to get her. Like, yeah. I feel like she probably wouldn't you know, she was like it was she came on as a guest star to like do her one big episode. But I feel like she was doing movie after movie after yeah. show after. Yeah. I feel like she's the kind of person that you would have had to like create an entire show. She for. wouldn't have wanted us. She wouldn't yeah. have wanted us. Yeah, to be a, a secondary or tertiary character in yeah. our right. show when there's in so the many show. people to serve, it would have been a lot of story and a yeah. lot of pages. And if someone's talking, someone else isn't. Yeah. You know? Right. So I have a question for you because you obviously you've done the 600 episodes of television, been involved in being a television-aholic myself. Is there a show that you really wanted to direct or beyond that you didn't get a chance to where it was like, that's, oh, man, I wanted to do that? Oh, a lot of shows, you know, it's like, oh, I, I could I could make that work. I could I could do that. I, I don't really think like that that hard because right. it's just, you know, what's in front of me? What am I getting to do? Because uh, it's a great privilege to to be on a set and talk to the actors and and work the story and make it work visual but it's not like there's a this a holy grail or, or okay. a thing. I, I i just don't think like that uh, sorry for the disappointing answer Mr. no no um, not at all sorry, it's son. a great answer yeah. it's yeah. a great answer <laughs> how far ahead were scripts done like three or four weeks uh, they're probably you know you have your outlines you have your first drafts you have uh revised drafts so we're probably six or eight ahead i i, I like yeah. to be ahead a lot because I don't like that last minute stuff. So I'm I'm try to be uh, uber organized and meticulous and let's get ahead, let's get ahead, let's get ahead. So yeah. usually six to eight. Uh, and the whole season is outlined before we start, right? Like No, no. No, it's, it's not. Some okay. ideas, some ideas and some sense of where the arcs are. Uh, but, you know, nowadays in, in the world of binging, you want to go in with, with the arcs set and, and really firm so you know where the kind of milestone and the big moments are so you can, uh, uh, you know, 
keep the audience through. But in our world where we had just general arcs, mostly about uh, Corey and Topanga in terms of their relationship, and then another, not so much an arc, but just kind of diving deep into what Sean's going through and how that's affecting him and what stories we can get out of that. Uh, so it, it, it was, it's like there, we had room to see what was working and, you know, who knew that the, that the, the thugs were going to work in episode one, you know, right. yeah. uh, and how much they added to the show. And, and, uh, uh, I bought my, uh, uh Harley t-shirt yesterday. Just oh, yes. <laughs> were there any ideas that you remember for the show that like you really wanted that then didn't end up going through? Oh yeah. We had a really nice, um, episode in the first season i think uh uh mark blutman might have mentioned it but he remembered it a little bit differently where uh cory uh gets to throw out the first pitch at the phillies mm, game yeah and <laughs> injures you know lenny dykstra the star philly so he's like ver- verboten and, and he's like the, the 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 goat of philadelphia so uh i thought that was a nice story but uh that would have involved using actual major league uniforms and disney didn't want to pay for that in the logos right. the story died uh <laughs> because we couldn't use uh uh, major league uniforms but i th- always thought especially early on that you know it's like my my first year it's like this is a great story this is about it's about philadelphia it's about the kid that loves sports it's just the comically funny that that with the greatest honor the kids ever had in his life turns into you know he's the 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 goat of the city so that was a fun story that we never got to do because they would have had to pay major league baseball licensing fees wow so yeah. funny how that works yeah This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves, and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So, make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. We talk a lot about moms on this podcast and how important they are to us. Absolutely. Without Jen Fischel, what pictures would we post on our social media? But above and beyond all the incredible mom things they did for us, laundry, dinners, let us travel to Los Angeles alone to chase our dreams of acting. Will, what, what, what else was your mom doing? Uh, my mom was also running all three courts in Connecticut while authoring books. Wow. Well, whether your mom was a legal trailblazer or just the greatest source of inspiration and care in the world, this Mother's Day, she deserves some flowers. You are right. And that's why I'm sending mine farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And while I'm teaching you things, how about 25% off your entire Books order so you can join us in treating our mothers to a beautiful arrangement? Love it. Here's why I like the Books Company. They are different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. That's really cool. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Your mom is unique, so she deserves flowers just as special. And Books is simple. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code WORLD for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WORLD. Books, promo code WORLD. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and 
loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ionic 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. We've talked about Will's development a little bit, but I want to hear, like, because by the end of the second season, was he as crazy as he got or no? Like, I think second, third season is when the the, the ramp up into crazy happened and into right. just way out there. And, and you had inherited like, Jason Marsden as the best friend because that would happen in first season, right? I don't remember Jason's yes. first. Yeah, I was. he was in yeah. first season. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. The 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 lobster, which is the first lobster season. Right. was first right. season, and right. the license is first right. season, and all. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm just curious. Did you ever feel this sort of th- with with Will's character? Like, were you guys consciously ha- developing Eric, or was it like always? No, we know we just got to write funny scenes for Will. It's just going to be. It, it was like you know what's working, and also uh, comedy writers. If something's funny, we will gravitate to it. Sometimes to a fault. It's like. Wow, he's right. making the the out there stuff really work. It's like we have our own Jim Carrey. Let's let's uh, right. It was really about his ability. Stuff. Let's feed him stuff to see if he can do it. Holy crap, he can do it. He can do more. Like feed it. Let's feed it. Let's feed it. I mean, and with Rusty that- and Betsy, what was that dynamic? Do you guys do you remember the conversations you guys were having? Because we've seen their relationship change a little yeah, bit from first to second now. season. It, it seemed maybe a little more adult in the second season. I don't know, mm. but but uh, but uh, it was really. You know, the show is called Boy Meets World, and it's on the kids' point of view. It's always the kids' point of view. So the parents will always be secondary, but you need, you know, grounding uh, parents. And they did such a great job. I mean, you totally believe that they're parents, and you totally believe, uh, you know, they're both great TV parents. They're they're not your standard. I mean, Rusty had a had a has a wonderful edge, uh, mm-hmm. but also it, it has a loving and warmth. So he was like the the perfect TV dad. But uh, you know, there were stories occasionally about them, but they were always involved with the uh, with the kids. Oh, we did do when he gets his band uh, together. We did do that one. Right. The tongues. That, that was good, yeah. Uh, yeah. Four the, guitarists. I, four guitars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, we did do that. But but uh, that was uh, it was always secondary. The pants were always going to be secondary. And that's, you know, right. life on a kid show for the adult actors. 
was continuity ever talked about in the writer's room? Like we obviously notice a bunch of continuity things now because we're binging it, but you weren't binging back then. So was you mean continuity- like, where's the yard, a front yard, back <laughs> Yeah, front like, yard, yeah. nebula, <laughs> sisters, Stacy. Yeah, there's Parents a lot. changing. Yeah. Was, you know, I don't think anybody ever watched the show and just, mommy, mommy, that's not the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> and also I, I said this in, in jest, but I'll, I'll use it now is like, you know, the, the, they, the door on the camera, right? Sometimes the boys' room, sometimes yeah. the history yeah. classroom, sometimes yeah. Mr. Phoenix. Well, the, st- the school is about seven stories tall and every <laughs> oh. floor pattern has the same layout. So they're just on different floors. Okay. Oh. That makes sense. That's I like how they put crap. the same posters on the on every floor, just to remind <laughs> yeah, exactly. you. And Sean gets a locker on every floor. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Turner's classroom is also always, always in that on the. They always got it on all seven floors. They got Mr. Turner's classroom. I love that. Clearly, I didn't test this theory before. I started <laughs> There's no theory you can throw our way that we will uh, not rip to shreds immediately. Kendall, the, the, the show was designed to be 22 minutes <laughs> a week. Right. Um, I'd like to know why we are so much better than Growing Pains. <laughs> well, Do you like think I we said, are? I've never watched Growing Pains. Growing like Pains was good. It, growing Pains was good. All my children will, and I can't have. I can't have a favorite. Yeah. I know. No, can't Growing Pains was good. Growing Pains was a solid sitcom. It really was solid '80s family sitcom. It really yeah. was. Yeah, it really. Yeah. Was. Okay, but here is maybe a more realistic way of framing that similar that same question. <laughs> Did you ever think? When you were doing season two and season three of Boy Meets World, that you would be talking about this show 30 years later. Oh, no. I mean, it was really like I said, it was what show is that boy? What? Right. And then, uh, you know, when it ran forever, it was like, is that still on? So we went from (laughs) what's that show to is that still still on? on? And uh, we didn't know that we were just, you know, people were loving it. I I mean, I I had no idea that that was the, the level of affection for the show and that. You know, I would go to when my kids were in high school, I'd go I'd pick them up and you'd see a sign. Boy Meets World Trivia Night, Friday night. You know, just wow. Yeah. Cool. Now, yeah. I know I, I'm I'm hoping, but I, d- I doubt it because I'm sure it was thrown around everywhere. You said they talked about the idea of changing the name. Do you by any chance remember any of the alternatives? Did anybody throw anything out? Corey's World. Wow. Corey's yeah. World. OK. Didn't work That's- for Dave's World. <laughs> <laughs> no. Corey's World wouldn't have been a horrible. That wouldn't have been time, terrible. But- no. No, I feel like the awkwardness of Boy Meets World is the reason why it's been ended up being a good title. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things. It's like we got through it. And so now you can't say Boy Meets something without associating with this show in a weird way. And that's it's like branded. A, yeah, it's. Yeah. Yes. No, but, I think you're right. The, the the dissonance or awkwardness of the world's words together kind of gelled and and, and they have stuck. Yeah, but I don't stuff. think there's a single one of us. I'll just speak for me, but I know Ryder, you already said this. Where the first time you heard the title, you weren't like, "It's a terrible title." It's a terrible title. I, it's a terrible I, I title. Also, when people recognize <laughs> us on the street, they never get it right. No, it's, bo- boy, it's boys meet meets the world, <laughs> the, the, or boys, really? boys meet world. It's always yeah. boys meet world, or it's like boy. It, 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 you just, it gets becomes boy, word boy, salad. Boy meets like, girl. Okay, yeah. you get all Even that. girl, I get all yeah. the time. that's interesting. But I remember because when we all got the pilot, well, you know, it was it was. The Ben Savage. They'd send the script. It was the the untitled Ben Savage project, which in a strange way was a better title to me than Boy Meets World. (laughs) Yeah, that would have looked weird on a show jacket. I was like, wow. It would have looked weird on a show jacket, though. Untitled (laughs) untitled Ben Savage project. Kendall, how do you feel about the state of sitcom now? Like, because it has changed, right? I mean, because of binging and because of the... Like, where, where, where are you at? Like, do you miss the old days where you could just do 22 minutes and throw away a character? Or do you do you like where it's going? 
as long as there's stuff that will hire me, I'm good. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, I, I, I like, uh, I love multicams. I know yeah. I've me heard too. Will no, talk about it. this a, yeah. a lot. I love multicams. There's just something so exciting about the live audience and doing a run through and, and, and have it work great. Uh, but uh, comedy doesn't really seem to work much on the networks uh, now. You know, multicam, they always say they, they say they want it. And I think they kind of want it. And the moment one shows up and is a hit, everybody will say, see? Yep. See? That's exactly right. what's going to happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the 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 Nickelodeon and Disney Channel shows, I've done a lot of those the past bunch of years. And, and that's a lot of fun because, like, they're not afraid to be funny. I think sometimes comedy is afraid to be funny and out there. And, that's uh, where that's like kind of the last bastion of sitcom. There's actually, you know, some of the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon shows that are out there, they might be skewed much younger, but it's a real sitcom. It's it's yeah. it's it's nice to see that people are still doing good kind of TV like that. And and you know, when you see a Sydney to the Max or the kind of shows that are out there, they're really good. So it's yeah, yeah it's it's there somewhere. Yeah. What, what do you mean by uh, they're not afraid to be funny though? Well, what, sometimes what uh, you know, there's a like too cool, uh, you know, a really uh, cool joke. And it's right. like, uh, let's go for, you know, let's go for a, a smart uh, a joke and that not right. uh, big and, and broad. I mean, Kinda you goofy, can be too broad, right? you can be too silly. Sure. But, uh, you know, you watch uh, you watch Friends. It's really broad sometimes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. 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 You know, and and I think sometimes people are afraid of that in, yeah. in the networks. I mean, Interesting. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's, what, what, the, what they know, what they're thinking. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, there, there's always going to be comedy. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if it's always going to be on, on the networks. I don't know if there's always going to be networks. Yeah. Uh, 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 there's one other thing in hearing you guys doing podcasts. I want to talk a little bit about Arlene Grayson, who is our line producer who passed away at the end of the second season about the love she had for the show and, uh, maybe things that you guys didn't know is when we were aging up the show, taking it to high school, Arlene sat and interviewed people for background. So she met and talked to and in interviews with everybody, like wow. sitting one to one with people. And then they had to pass the Arlene test before they came a part of our background. <laughs> and I hear you guys talk with, with affection about a lot of the background yeah. Uh, yeah. kids. And they were vetted. They all, that was Arlene. She, that's how much she cared. It's wow. Like, it wasn't just calling some background people. It's like these people are going to be part of our show, you know, part of the world, part of the family. I'm going to meet wow. them and I want to make sure that they uh, that they're OK. So that makes so, awesome. you yeah. just awesome. One of the many great things about uh, uh, the late Arlene Grayson. So that's incredible. Yeah. I did not know that yeah, at all. No. Well, David, thank you so much for being here with us. I hope this will not be your only appearance. I hope you'll come back and maybe. Well, you determine that, not me. So, you know. Well, well you have to agree. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I, I hope that you'll come back for an episode you directed and we can maybe yeah. do a recap oh. with you and yeah, talk cool. about one you, cool. you directed. No, cool. it's been fun talking to you, but after 30 years, there's something I've finally wanted to say. <laughs> I have some notes. <laughs> 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 we'll put them in the chat. And I'll, I'll get to Next I'll to get the to hug. Them. I'll get to them right away. I'll yeah. get to them right away. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny is that I, we are all still, well, I can't, I won't speak for anybody else. I'm still in such, I'm still in such close, close contact with you. It feels like this is just a, another conversation I get to have with you where you and once again, enlightened me and educated me on some things. And, um, I always love talking to you. Uh, I can't thank you enough for everything you've, you've brought to my life over the years and continue to bring to my life. So thank you for joining us. And we well, can't wait I, to I, have you I back. I love you guys. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, this is great. This is great. Great to see you, man. Can you believe we're doing this? It's hard to no. No. no, no. All right. We're very so lucky. Another virtual hug. Virtual hug. Virtual hug. All right. <laughs> love you. All right, see you, see you soon, Love you guys.
Bye. Bye. Kendall is such a pro. Yeah. It's like just one of those consummate pros. I, when I shadowed him, it was on a show that was very, it was a single camera show. It was very hectic, a yeah. very tough, uh, no budget kind of situation. And, um, Man, he kept his cool. Like, he's just unbelievable. Like, and he he makes sure that, you know, watching him that week when I was following him around and seeing what he had to deal with and the kind of choices and the pressures he was under never made it anybody else's problem. Just, mm. you know, and like I could see it because I was shadowing. So I was alone in the room with him looking at a shot list going, you're never going to make that day. <laughs> right. uh, you know, and he knew it and he would be like, well, we got to show up. We got to do it. We got to do our best. We got to, you know, it was yeah. just like unbelievable. Um, yeah. And that's why he's always worked because yeah. he's so great. And he's yeah. so also the perfect and- person to work with younger actors. Yeah. Because of that patience right. and that steadfast kind of resolve that he has. It's like it's a great person to put to the helm of a, of a show. That involved young people. I can't believe that he was kind of still. I mean, it's it's like we keep saying it, but like that he was still kind of new to the industry. I, I guess he had done six years, but like yeah. that the fact that he hadn't directed like a hundred episodes of television when he was doing Boy just blows my mind. That we were his second episode. Second show, yeah. But going from <laughs> writing a spec script, yeah, to then awesome. getting hired by your first producer and staying on that show up to then being a co EP is insane. I, mean, I know. Uh, never happens it's i know crazy. it's it is i mean i it, it, to say it's not the norm is like the biggest understatement yeah the right. turn of the turnaround to get a job is, in television let alone yes. let alone your first, first script getting yeah. your job let alone it leading to a six-year season run Ugh. yeah it's at a big hu- at a big smash hit show i mean that's yeah. insane that's crazy well oh, wow. i think we learned more in that episode than any other for our dear listeners. I think he explained things very well, too. I mean, I found six to eight episodes ahead. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I figured, actually. Wow. But I also think I also think that was when Kendall was in charge. Right, right, right. I think, like he said, he was very good about making sure that we were six and eight out. I don't think that ends up being the case after he leaves. Also, Corey's world. Yeah. Wow. What the world would still Corey's roll world? over him, I guess. It would, they wouldn't have to change much. <laughs> yeah. They'll still be throwing us globes at every every photo shoot. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, Corey's world. I wonder what the other runners <laughs> the up were. disgusting writers. <laughs> Ugh, globes. I don't know why I really dislike it. I get, I mean, it's weird because, I mean, obviously Boy is in the title, but I think something about making it Corey only seems a little bit of a bummer. It seems limiting to me, you know? Yeah. But right. I guess it, it was. I mean, it, it was, clearly yeah. the whole show has been and, and around Corey. But for some reason, uh, Boy Meets World has a little bit more of a thematic. I mean, even though it's awkward phrasing, it sounds bigger than. Yeah, I feel like more people can identify with Corey when it's called Boy Meets World. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, that makes and sense. if it's just Corey, it's like a specific person uh, that I don't know, a little more limiting, maybe. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Pod Meets World. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Instagram, Pod Meets World Show. You can send us your emails, podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. And we have merch. Daddy, daddy, buy me some merchandise, daddy. <laughs> Podmeetsworldshow.com. Get to the point where you're just doing a monologue, like a Shakespearean monologue. I'll be a man. <laughs> was the fee call by the, the time merch, we were The done. night of merchandise. <laughs> of course. By the end, it's just going to be 40 minutes long. I know. The amount of people who have asked us to just compile those together, oh, and we, we will. will have to do it. We yeah, are absolutely going to have to do it. Maybe by the end episode. of season two. Yeah. Anyway, Will, send us out. We love you all. Pod dismissed. 
Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Will Friedell, and Ryder Strong. Executive producers Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production, Danielle Romo. Producer and editor, Tara Sudbach. Producer, Jackie Rodriguez. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan, Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon. And you can follow us on Instagram at Pod Meets World Show or email us at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. When I'm on my way to drop off the kids at school and I'm on about five hours of sleep and I haven't had my coffee yet, I'm truly one of a kind. Yeah, this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. It is. But there is one thing I can do immediately to bring some comfort and calm to the situation and keep me moving forward. Eat Keebler Sandies. I like to think that if the good-looking guy was still around, sitting on the couch, comforting himself about not getting into college, he'd ditch the Cocoa Puffs and down some Keebler Sandies instead. Mixed with chocolate syrup? Ooh, why not? When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat to keep you going. Each Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie is baked to perfection by the Keebler Elves for a light sweetness and a texture that melts in your mouth. The next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for Keebler Sandies shortbread cookies to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago, and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303 mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.